Today on Locked On Canadians, first we're going to address the findings of the report on the Blackhawks' handling of the sexual assault allegations. Then we're going to talk about what the Canadians will need to do to beat the San Jose Sharks for the first time in 20 years in San Jose. And the other thing that we're going to do is a new weekly segment that is going to be about prospects. We'll have a weekly prospect roundup every week from now on. That's coming up on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 477. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. We're really grateful to you. Of course, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing on this Wednesday evening? I I really wish I could say I'm doing great and that everything's good, but... Basically from 2 p.m. on today, it was a lot of it it was tough or 2 p.m. yesterday in through today and everything else. It's been tough to kind of look at the sport of hockey right now. I was already kind of bothered by all the Chicago stuff that came out and then the Canadians game happened. And as we talked about in the episode before this, it wasn't great. And then uh, today's interview with the now no longer John Doe. Listening to that, I'm I'm very just disgusted isn't the right word with not only the Chicago Blackhawks, but just the state of the NHL and the sport of hockey as a whole right now. It's beyond disappointing. And I'm hoping I, I shouldn't even say hoping because I know the way hockey is. It's it's just upsetting. And for anyone who's going to be listening, this is a content warning. It's going to be a little bit heavier in the first segment here. So if you want to skip past that, we understand. But there is uh, a lot that we do need to touch on here a bit. I think we should start with the fact that the report came out on the day that we're recording this. So we're recording this on Wednesday and the report came out the day before. And there were a lot, a lot of really, really damning findings in that report. Obviously, Stan Bowman has resigned. And at the moment, there are a lot of questions as to what's going to happen to the employment of Joel Quenville and Kevin Chevelle Dayoff, because they were both in the room in the meeting that took place when the allegations were raised with Chicago Blackhawks management and a decision was actively made to cover it up, to not report it to the police as they should have done, which would have been the right thing to do and which the person who reported the allegations wanted them to do. And again, this is not the player. It was the person that the player disclosed to. In And tonight we're recording this after the player has revealed his identity on TSN. Rick Westhead has done a lot of good work on covering the story. And it was Kyle Beach uh, who came forward, told his story. And the interview itself is available. You can find it on tsn.ca. It's also circulating. I, I guess like it's un- kind of unprecedented that other networks are able to broadcast parts of this interview and it's it's kind of like it really is a big deal but uh, it's because of the importance of the story if you haven't seen the interview and you're planning to watch it I have to warn you that it's extremely extremely hard to watch it's devastating it's heartbreaking the entire time I watched it I was in tears 
And it took me a while to recover from watching it. And I was just somebody watching it. So if you, you know, if, if that's, if that's something that's happened to you as well, I would urge you to take precautions before you watch it. But Kyle Beach is an extremely brave individual. He's a brave player. And the fact that he came forward and the a report was commissioned and all of all of this stuff is no longer being uh, pushed under the brushed under the rug is significant. I think that he needs to be commended for his bravery. But there are a couple of things in that report that were honestly horrifying. For example, Stan Bowman quotes Joel Quenville as saying that it is so hard to get to a Stanley Cup final that they didn't want to deal with the allegations because they didn't want to disrupt that journey to the Stanley Cup final in 2010. And I think that that in itself highlights one problem, which is that in a lot of sports, and hockey is extremely, extremely guilty of this, sport is seen as more important than people's lives and livelihoods and safety. And that was honestly, truly upsetting in itself. But then the flip side of that as well is the fact that they thought that, like, for whatever reason, sexual assault allegations were not important enough to them, significant enough to them to do something about it in the middle of a Stanley Cup run. So either they didn't take that specific allegation seriously, they or they don't take allegations of sexual assault where the victim is a man seriously, or they don't take sexual assault seriously in general. And all of those things are wrong or they're not okay right like this is it's it's horrifying especially when you're in a position of power and so part of that also is that um so in the report it says that some of the players taunted Kyle Beach so there's also that really disgusting hockey culture that is at play here and so as a sport i think you know we've talked about this before as a sport we need to hold the sport accountable if you want a quick co- quit hockey that's understandable nobody's going to stop you nobody's going to blame you but if you want better from hockey like we all have to do our part to hold organizations and people in power in the sport of hockey accountable and that's the part of this that's bugging me so much is that kyle beach mentioned he went to gary bettman and donald fear and they both said no we're not doing an investigation into this and now which given the results of this uh I have a lot of questions of the heads of not only the NHL, but the NHLPA, which is supposed to be there for players, and they did nothing. And right now, Joel Quenville is coaching a game at this actual minute, despite being named in this report, having direct knowledge of all of this. He was in the meeting and was annoyed because it was the middle of the Stanley Cup finals, and he didn't give a damn. And he's sitting on an NHL bench right now when he should be unemployed. It's disgusting that this is allowed to happen. And Gary Batman is just taking his sweet time. Well, I'll talk to Quenville on Thursday. And I'm going to talk to Kevin Chevaldayoff on Monday. How do you have a report like this come out? And your first thought is, I'm going to give it a couple of days. The lack of urgency is disgusting from the NHL around this. You tried to sweep this under the rug because it ruined your big dynasty, you know, picturesque thing here. Kyle Beach today with what he did, and I am hoping he did this because he wanted to, not because less than reputable media outlets outed him as John Doe yesterday when this report came out. I hope he did this because it's what he wanted to do. He's got more heart, courage, and spine than anyone who had a hand in covering this stuff. And I want him to know if he ever hears this for whatever reason, 
that we on this podcast stand in support of him and everything that he's gone through to have the courage to actually do what he's done is so immense in a sport like hockey that obviously tries to sweep these things aside. It's, I truly hope he can find some measure of peace after this and, you know, move forward with his life as best that he can after this horrible thing happened. And I can't help but shed a tear. He says he blames himself because he didn't act sooner and that Brad Aldrich went on to commit similar crimes in other roles and he feels awful and it's not his fault. None of this is Kyle Beach's fault. The Chicago Blackhawks top to bottom should be ashamed. Gary Bettman in the NHL should be ashamed. Donald Fear and the NHLPA should be ashamed of themselves. I, I, I don't have any words. I haven't watched the full interview. And when I do, I have a feeling I'm going to be just as upset and angry as I am now. And it's a, it's a, it's beyond a black mark on hockey at this point. It's, it's just so gross on so many levels and it's really just deeply upsetting as a fan of the sport. Yeah. And there is a point, yes, in, in, in the interview, when you watch it, Rick West had asked him what he would say to the teenage player who came forward and was also part of the lawsuit. I believe they have the same lawyer and his face and his, his demeanor was honestly devastating. And he said that he was sorry that he didn't do more to protect the teenager and it's never the victim's responsibility to protect other people. He did the right thing. He told somebody he trusted and that person did the right thing. He took it to the organization and pushed for them to contact law enforcement, do an investigation. And the people in actual power failed him. It's always the responsibility of people in power to protect people like that and to protect future victims. Like if they knew this was going on, they just allowed him to get other jobs. In some cases, I, like this is the part that I haven't actually fully um, understood is that they gave him glowing recommendations. They allowed him to have his name on the Stanley Cup. They gave him a, a day with the Stanley Cup. He was joined this, joining in all the celebrations. And so I think that's that's to me, you know, those are the people who failed. Those are the people who didn't do enough. Those are the people who should be apologizing to that young player. Those are the people who should be apologizing to everybody really who's been affected by this. Um, And so once again, I'm just going to tell people, if you're going to watch the interview, just, just be careful. It is extremely, extremely, extremely difficult to watch, but it's an example of extreme bravery. And I think Kyle Beach should be commended. Uh, and uh, the last thing that we'll say about this is because obviously, because, you know, hockey is rotten and, and, and hockey fans are rotten. There's a ton of people that went out and started talking about how uh, Mark Bergevin is not named in the report and therefore this absolves him. Actually, he does not. He's not named in the report. The findings did not find that he knew about it. He says he didn't know about it. It's entirely possible that he didn't know about it. It's extremely possible. And somebody brought up the disturbing idea that, you know, like he's the director of player personnel and nobody told him, like nobody told somebody who has that close contact with the players what was going on. And that's even more alarming than had he had he known at the time and just been part of the people to, you know, hope it went away. And so, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter at this point 
he's done at, at this point, there's no evidence. I'm not going to say he's done. There's no evidence that he's done something that would result in his firing or not being allowed to continue in his role in the NHL. That doesn't necessarily mean it absolves him. It also doesn't mean that he's guilty. I think at this point, the only thing that we can say is the fact that he's not mentioned means that he it's not something fireable or suspendable or anything that we know about. There's no evidence to that effect. And that's the final thing that we'll say about this. And I think on the other side of this, uh, we're going to get back into the hockey talk because this is a really, really, really rough topic. Um, and I think we do need to uh, kind of try and try and try and make some sense of the current on ice product that Canadians are putting out and what they can do to make it better if possible at all. Uh, and that's coming up in just one moment. But first, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC... Write to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available through the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget that promo code is locked on to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So out West, the Canadians are playing the San Jose Sharks tonight at but o'clock. And uh, or actually, it's but 30 tonight. Uh, and the as you know, because we talk about it all the time, the Canadians have not won a game in San Jose in 23 years. The last game they won was in 1997, and it was an overtime game. And since then, in San Jose, they've not been able to win a game against the Sharks. So at this point, with the Canadians doing what whatever it is that they think they've been doing, um, what chance do they have and what do they need to do in order to maybe pull out a win tonight so the last time they won in san jose was 1999 in overtime the last time they won in regulation was 1997 and i'm going to list some of the top video games that came out in 1997 for some of our listeners here because it makes me feel old diddy kong racing GoldenEye 007, Final Fantasy 7, Star Fox 64, the original Fallout on PC, and Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. In case you're wondering how long it's been, it's long enough that you can buy those games on next generation consoles now. And to get to Laura's point here, if the Canadians want to win this game, uh, do the exact opposite of what they did in Seattle, which is try for more than 30 seconds at a time, which would be nice. Uh, Chicago, uh, not Chicago, sorry. San Jose is coming off of a loss. They're, they've had a good start to the season. We know our friends over the content boys love William Eklund and they think he's going to win the Calder, which is super adorable and not at all definitely a little bit creepy and weird, but they've got to attack the Sharks' weak spots. Their depth isn't great. Their defense is still a little bit rough. It, the chances are there. They got to play aggressive, but not so much that they're getting burned on every single counterattack like they did against Seattle. You've got speed. You've got guys like Anderson. You've got guys like Drouin who can skate and get open through space. Or Cole Caulfield's been a lot quicker than we thought. 
Find your right, find your best counterattacking strategy there. Push, make guys like Brent Burns defend because Brent Burns cannot play defense. He's not very good at it. And they will tell you that it just, they can't lose their composure if things don't go their way either. And I know this sounds like things we've said every single game so far this year, but it's the fact of the matter is that every time that things kind of go against them, the Canadians struggle to get back in games. Detroit being the lone standout. And I think if they can get the first goal and maybe get a second one in short order there, they can kind of implement their game plan from there. And I know that's asking a lot of a team that doesn't score much right now, but I don't think it's out of the question either. Not at all. And personally, so this is where I stand on yesterday's episode, both Scott and I rented. Uh, We had a lot to say because the Canadians right now look abysmal. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that they couldn't play cohesively. They all play like they've never met before. It's been multiple games in which they're playing like that. And we talked about how this is a coaching issue. It's not just an individual issue. Um, And nobody, you know, directly came out and argued with us on that point. But I'm rethinking a little bit of what I'm saying, because I do think that it is more of a coaching issue than it is a player issue. But I also think that the players themselves, it looks like lack of effort, but I don't think it's lack of effort. I think it's lack of initiative. I think it's lack of creativity. I think it's lack of aggression. So yes, the coaching staff has to come up with better game plans. The underlying numbers are so bad that I can't even bear to look at them. And I'm actually getting personally insulted when people post them, post screen caps from natural statric uh, on, on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm getting really upset, but the fact of the matter is the underlying numbers are terrible. That is a coaching issue. That is a system issue. That is a lack of a system. However, the other things um, is like, I think the players do have a hand in it. So I don't want people to think that I think the players are completely blameless, but I think what the players are doing is, is they're not, showing initiative and creativity. I think, I think they want to win. I don't think they want to lose. I don't think they're happy with the situation, but I also think that when they're trying things, they're trying things that I think they should know better to than to try. I think they should know better than to try. For example, all those random point shots on the power play, they should know better than to try those things. I doubt that the power play plan was that we saw different in the off season. We saw different in the postseason last year, the coach has not changed for the power play. But, you know, all that defaulting to safe plays, all those stretch passes, all those dump-ins, which I really, I, I feel like I, I, I'm allergic to dump-ins at this point. They give me a rash when I see them, especially desperation dump-ins. I hate that. Carry the puck into the zone. They're not doing that. You know, we saw last year, Brendan Gallagher was really effective at breakouts and zone exits. Nick Suzuki was really effective at zone entries. I'm not seeing that this year. Cole Caulfield, I saw a couple of times in the last game, but I'm not seeing things that they're hawk, they're they're smart hockey plays. The Canadians are not doing that, but I doubt that they don't know that that's what they're supposed to do. So I do think that yes, part of the responsibility lies on the players, but at the same time, you kind of have to look at it and you have to be like, okay, if the players are not motivated and they're not doing the right thing, you know, somebody's got to talk to them about it, and that somebody is the coaching staff. And that's exactly it. Is that like? You got to see it's not working. How many times do you have to try and fit the square peg into the round hole? You know, we talked about this with Claude Julian, but at least his teams could dominate shots in the games. The Canadians aren't even doing that right now. It's the the, staff, the coaching staff has to take a look at 
what they're doing and figuring out why it's not working. And if you can't, uh, you shouldn't be coaching in the NHL then because it's obvious to a lot of people who are watching this why it's not working. It's not bad luck. It's not bad goaltending. It's not this. It's not that. The whole system just doesn't work right now. And figure out how to fix that in your golden. I, I shouldn't say golden, but you should be better off than you were beforehand. And I don't think it's a stretch to ask a guy who was given a three-year contract extension along with everyone on his staff to figure that out right now. And speaking of figuring things out, we have now, or we're about to debut a new weekly segment that we're going to do. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first remember that rockauto.com is the only place that you should be looking for anything to do with car parts or car accessories that you may need. Rockauto.com has the parts and accessories for every car make, model, and year. Literally just go there right now, pull your phone out of your your pocket, go to rockauto.com, enter your cars, make, model, and year, and you'll see they have a very easy to use catalog. It's a drop down. It'll show you everything that's available and you can even choose your own price because the best part is that the prices are always reliably low. And if you go to a chain store, you're limited in stock. You're limited with what price you have to pay. You're limited with the brands that they work with. RockAuto.com is not like that. And I know that especially in times like this, saving money is important. So the prices are always reliably low. But if that's not enough for you, at the end of all of that, with the convenience, easy to use catalog, amazing selection, and all of that, if you buy something, it'll be delivered directly to your door. Anybody who tries rockauto.com swears by it, and you should too. So go to rockauto.com and do not forget to put locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they'll know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. And as part of that, Scott and I have devised a couple of segments that we're going to do on a weekly basis. And the first one is going to be a prospect roundup. Now, the prospect roundup isn't necessarily always going to be on the Thursday episode, but we are going to have it weekly. So there will be a weekly check-in as to what the Canadians' prospects are doing. And I'm going to have to admit that, Scott, that's all your baby. Uh, you're the one who's the expert on this podcast on uh, on prospects and what they're up to. And you have informed me that Laval is fun all of a sudden. So can you please elaborate? Well, for one thing, we're what, almost two and a half years into hosting this podcast together and still calling me an expert feels extremely weird to me right now. But uh, the Laval Rocket are currently playing a very fun, albeit slightly stupid game against the Toronto Marlies, my favorite kind of game. Uh, It it started real ugly, not going to lie. Michael Pozzetta got on the board with just the greasiest goal you could possibly imagine him scoring. And then Alex Biega, the Marlies, drilled Rafael Harvey Pinard right in the head. He got a match penalty for that. And then from there, the Rocket have just taken over the game right now. Uh, the pro- If we're talking actual prospects, guys with NHL futures, Pizzetta has a second goal tonight. He has a fight. He's one assist away from the Gordie Howe hat trick, and he has been involved in all the right ways that you want to see from him. Uh, Laurent Dolphin has his fifth and sixth goals of the season, one on the power play and one at even strength. Gianni Fairbrother has a pair of really nice uh, primary assists. Jesse Ellenman has two assists. The team itself looks really good right now. They're in sync. They're out shooting the Marlies 29 to 9 after two periods. 
I know the Marlies are missing Nick Robertson right now, but they still have talent on there. And the Rocket are playing really well after coming off a disappointing end to their road trip. And goalie controversy or not right now, uh, Caden Primo has made all nine saves that he has to make uh, in this game. He looks solid so far. The team in front of him looks good. Uh, JF Hool is, he, you couldn't tell the difference from the team last year. The only difference is I see defensemen jumping up in the play more often, but the Rocket look like a good treat. So if you don't want to watch the Canadians on a given night, uh, you can look at AHL TV or I don't believe they show it in, I don't know if RDS is showing games still this year like they did last year, but the Rocket are always worth uh, a chance to check out every now and then because they do play such a fun style of hockey. I agree. And I got to say as well, uh, Place Bell is a really, really good time. Even now, now that, you know, uh, all of the, all of the venues are open, they do have a vax policy. They do have a masking policy. They are pretty strict as they are at the Bell Center, maybe a little less strict than the Bell Center I've heard, but they're still uh, pretty vigilant. So if you're feeling okay about doing that and, and, and going to a game, I highly recommend it. Um, they're also on TV. Now they do get broadcast once in a while. Uh, you will find them on TV or you can get the HL package. Is it HL.TV Scott? It's HL TV, right? Uh, yes, AHL TV. So you can access it right through, uh, the Uh, and they'll have a link right to sign up for AHL TV. It's super affordable. You can buy home games, the way games, single season home and away the entire league, or you can buy individual games just to see how it feels. They do a lot of, uh, free watch events too. All you have to do is sign up for an account. And I believe they do free games on Facebook watch as well. So it's super accessible and I'm glad they did this because AHL TV used to cost about 250 bucks a year and it was terrible. Feeds are always good. You get alternate uh, feeds home and away. It, it's well worth checking out if you've got the opportunity. Agreed. So I think a couple of things that I wanted to ask Michael McNiven has made yes. some comments. <laughs> He's not happy. I, I kind of agree with him based on my knowledge of him is that he's not being given the opportunity that he thinks he's earned. I think he's earned it. So it's someone brought up a good point is that it's not like Caden Primo was a first round pick, like a Spencer Knight or a uh, Askarov in Nashville. He was 199th overall, not exactly top of the barrel there. And I get that the organization is light on elite goaltending prospects and Primo has struggled for bits and times. He looks really good for stretches. Then he has a really bad stretch and he looks good again. He's not NHL ready. And McNiven's frustration is that he feels like he's jumping through hoops and that they set a goal and he hits it and then they move the goalpost. He sets the goal, hits it, they move the goalpost. I was shocked when they claimed Samuel Montembeau. I really thought Michael McNiven was going to get that AHL backup spot. I thought he looked the best outside of Jake Allen in the preseason for the Habs. And they just kind of sent him down. And I think that's quite frankly unfair. I don't blame him for being frustrated. He's a fierce competitor. He always has been. He he takes challenges personally. When he got cut from Team Canada, he lit the OHL on fire basically in response to that. He put together an incredible season for Owen Sound. And I'm kind of on his side a little bit too. I think he's proven that he is a reliable starting goalie and that Primo's kind of being given the keys because of his draft status, which is unfair to McNiven. He was undrafted, but Primo was picked almost at the end of the draft and not drafted at all. Like 
it's not hard to, you know, feel for the guy. He's been through a lot in his life and he's fought and clawed his way through ECHL reassignment after reassignment. He was basically told he had to leave Adirondack in the ECHL because they had another, they didn't have enough time for him to get starts. And he went home and nobody told the Canadians like the rocket never called them back. No one did anything. It's hard to not feel for him in that situation. And quite frankly, if Montembeau struggles in his next starter, doesn't look good. Uh, call up McNiven, give him the opportunity. If he, if he's challenging you to give him that chance, give him that chance. And because if you never find out what you have, the worst thing that's going to happen is he could be traded or, you know, picked up by another team on waivers and he goes on to be a good NHL goalie. You might as well find out what you have. If it doesn't work out, guess what? It can go back to the drawing board and you were right. Maybe he wasn't NHL ready, but if you never find out, what's the point? The whole point of the HL and the ECHL is to develop your prospects on the way up. He's been doing that. You got to give him a shot sooner or later. And I think, I think, I think you're right on that one. You do have to at some point. And so that has been our very first weekly prospect roundup. It's not the first prospect roundup we've done, but now, you know, the once a week, and we're not going to tell you when, mostly because the news varies, right? A lot of the uh, college games happen on the weekends, uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about what the prospects are up to, what's going on in Laval and elsewhere. That's going to be once a week. And uh, we've got a lot of other fun segments that we've been thinking about bringing you. And we'll start talking about them and debuting them next week. So don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Uh, you can find us individually. Scott is at Scott Matla. I am at the active stick. And if you'd like to email us, you can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. We like to get a lot of our mailbag questions that way. You can also send them to us on Twitter. Obviously, don't forget to send us your mailbag questions for tomorrow's episode because we are going to be recording a mailbag. Uh, and we'll just add in the game recap after the game has taken place. Uh, and that's going to be tomorrow. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you liked this podcast, check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Scott Cullen, one of the best in the business. Make that your second listen of the day.